Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Hopeful Environmentalist. It's your host and founder, Taylor, and today we have a very special guest here to join us to discuss being optimistic in the climate space. So before we go more into her intro, I just wanted to talk about how, you know, we used to be, or I used to be, the Angry Environmentalist podcast um, but now we're the Hopeful Environmentalist Podcast. And I say we are because, you know, we're all in this together, right? Everyone who's listening, I kind of feel like we're a community. So, you know, the reason why I went on this journey from switching from angry to hopeful is more of because, yes, I'm still angry, right? I'm still angry about climate change and what humans have done to our world. But I'm looking at it now with a more optimistic and hopeful mindset, right? I want to be and I want to spread hope because when we spread hope, we're able to accomplish so much more and we're able to build more of a community. But again, that does not mean we can't be angry or upset. It just means I'm coming into it with a more hopeful lens. And in the episode, we will talk about the science of our brain and how hope and optimism actually works and benefits us and how it benefits the climate crisis in general and being activists. So we'll talk about that and I'm really excited to have that conversation. So now since I got that out of the way, let's talk about our guest speaker. Her nickname is The Climate Optimist and she is an author, a speaker, an educator, and an environmental activist. So she does it all, right? She has recently published a book called The Climate Optimist Handbook which we'll discuss in the episode, and also it's going to be linked in the description if you want to purchase it. I know I'm going to be purchasing it when I get my paycheck next week, so stay tuned for that at the end of the episode as well. Her speaking engagements have gotten her on BBC Radio, The Weather Channel, she's given a TEDx talk, and she's had so many other amazing speaking opportunities that I'm so jealous of. She's been on a lot of different podcasts. Um, she, she's been everywhere, right? She's, she's awesome. She focuses on thinking optimistically about the climate crisis and about coming together to create the change we want to see and we need to see. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest, Anne-Therese Janeri. So hi, welcome. Thank you so much for joining. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. So let's just get right into it. The first question I kind of have for you is, you know, you share your story about going from a climate doomist to a climate optimist. And I have a very similar story as well. You know, our the whole podcast was the angry environmentalist and now it's the hopeful environmentalist. Um, so can you share your story and how you went from the doomist to the climate optimist? Yeah, uh, and I love that we have a similar <laughs> story to share because I feel like it's so easy to start out there. Um, and it's something I, I try to tell people too. When you first learn about climate change and you start to realize the complexity of the issue and what it's going to take to figure it out. And you just kind of like start to pile up <laughs> the science. It's very easy to get doomist, right? Or angry or frustrated. And I want to give people a break for starting out there. Cause I think it's like a normal human response. And as we might know, climate anxiety is spreading like wildfire, no pun intended uh, across the globe. And and it's because when we're facing something as scary as climate change and we lack the power to do something about it, or at least we feel that way, that's how anxiety grows. And it's a very disempowering feeling to have in your body. And it's very easy to look to anything to blame or point fingers at so that you can feel a little bit better. And um, Or sometimes that's yourself. That's actually how it started out for me. I started to become 
introduce not self-inflicting pain, but a little bit like I was, you know, definitely not living healthily and not taking care of myself the right way. And I thought that since I'm such a huge part of the problem, I don't deserve to be happy and well until I've figured it out. But I think a lot of people are there. And I think it's, it's important to recognize how easy it is to feel overwhelmed and hopeless. And um, I want to help people move from that place of doom and gloom and disaster and feeling feelings of anxiousness and, and hopelessness into a place of empowered action. So I started from a place being very angry with the world, with myself, with people around me. I thought people were idiots for not understanding. And when I tried to tell people how we should act and the things we needed to know about and, um, you know, surprise, people did not want to hear what I had to say, because when someone comes at you with anger, it's very hard to take that to heart. Um, but it's just that just made me feel even more separated from the rest of the world. And so that was a place I was living in for a long time. I don't think it was that evident to the people around me because it was something I was holding on to the inside. I was trying to show up just, you know, me and doing the normal things and showing up to parties and going to school and all these things. But on the inside, I was raging and um, it was a really difficult reality to grapple with. And it took me breaking down. I share this story in my book, actually, that I call my climate optimist awakening. And it happened one night after a dinner conversation with my brother. And it was about something as silly as car washing and how we shouldn't do that at home because it releases toxic chemicals into the groundwater and all these things. Like such a silly conversation. But again, I felt like I had lost and no one listened to me and no one else cared about climate change and the environment. And it literally left me on the floor in my parents' guest room crying like I'd never cried before. It was one of those like really kind of out of body um, experiences where I could see myself in third person and I can see my body was there, but I couldn't feel it. I didn't feel attached to my body anymore. And for about 10 to 15 minutes, I was just crying and letting things go. My body just had to release all this anger and despair and pain in my body. And afterwards, um, I felt incredibly light. It was this beautiful moment where I just landed and something started to come to me. And as I closed my eyes and I felt so like feather light and it was this beautiful dim white light around me. And the one message that came through to me was you're here to be a climate optimist. And at the time I'd never heard the term before. I um, didn't quite understand what that meant, but the message that resonated with me was, you know, you're here to work for climate. Like you have found your passion, but how you're doing it isn't working. Obviously you're running yourself to the ground people around you are not paying attention. You're not really having the impact that you wish to have. And so you've got to go, um, you, you got to go at it from a different approach. And so that was when my climate optimist journey began. It was in my early twenties, about eight years ago now, I think at least it's about that timeline. And ever since then, I've been trying to figure out what it means to be a climate optimist and how do you go about this from a different sort of attitude. And um, that journey in itself has been challenging. And I've learned that there's different ways to approach optimism when it's going to um, make you feel like you're just fooling yourself in the world and it's actually not that optimistic. And then there's one that's actually sustainable um, and that allows you to continue to show up for the work and continue to show up in faith um, and in empowered action. So now having learned all these things, having gone from an angry activist or um, climate doomist, as you put it, to the climate optimist that I am today, and also having been on the journey to understand what does it actually take to show up as one for myself, but also for the people around me? Um, I, I want to share that with other people. And I hope that by doing so, more people will feel not just encouraged, but truly inspired to show up for all the beautiful work that we're here to do to co-create a better world. Yeah, I love that. And I love 
your journey and thank you so much for sharing that because I have such a similar story. I don't really know if I have like a moment though that I was like, wow, I need to be hopeful. Um, it kind of just was like a slow transition for me. I know for me, I, I resonate with everything you said about having that like moment of why is nobody listening and having to talk to my parents and my friends and say, hey, like, why don't you care about this? Why don't you you know, why are you using a plastic straw? And I know that's so like uh, small and we like demonize plastic straws now, but like there's so many big things that are happening. And when we get down on ourselves and hard on ourselves, we're not really going to be able to do the actions that we can, we can do when we're more positive and we come at it with an approach of we need more community. Like, I think you discussing your story and sharing your story helps to build that community. And so I really appreciate that. Going into the shift. Why do you think the shift is important? I know you discussed it a little bit. And why do you think the, the shift and the, the narrative change from doomism to optimism is so crucial for this movement? Thank you. That's a great question. And uh, there are multiple answers to this. And I'll talk a little bit shortly about the signs of optimism, why optimism actually is really important. But for a starter, and it kind of touches on what you just mentioned too, and sharing how when you are trying to get your friends and family to care, and we've demonized the plastic straw and all these things. And, and it's easy to feel that way, right? Like, again, when you start to learn about things, you're like, how can you take a plastic straw? You don't need one. And think about the turtles you're hurting and all these things. But what we have to recognize is that we were born into this world, okay? We live in a world today that is not designed to live with a zero waste footprint, on the opposite, it's actually designed to have as buy as much as possible and con continue to consume waste. And how, no matter how hard you try, you're leaving a negative footprint. And I think we have to start by just giving ourselves a break because we do live in this world. And you know, no matter how mindful you are with your choices, there is some sort of carbon footprint involved. And I think just by recognizing that, okay, this is the world we created. And by the way, it was created because people in the past wanted better, right? They didn't say, okay, let's create uh, some sort of vehicle that's going to spew carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and kill future generations. Like that was not their intent. They said, let's create something that's going to get us from place A to place B faster with more convenience. They wanted to better our lives. And same thing with the refrigerator or with technology, like all these innovations that we have created that actually makes up the world that, that we know today. It's it's like let's not blame the past generations because they honestly just wanted to improve our lives. And also we have to learn that sometimes just because it looks like an improvement doesn't mean that down the road is the best choice. So we have to be more intentional now with the new solutions we bring to the table so that we don't continue in the same pattern. But since we are born into this world and since we exist in this environment and in this society, it's not our fault <laughs> that climate change is happening and it's also not our responsibility to fix it, because I think if we continue to tell ourselves it's our responsibility, that is a really heavy stone to carry and a very heavy responsibility to shoulder. And anyone who tries to do so for a long period of time will get tired and exhausted and probably want to give up. And so I think just by starting to say like, OK, it's not my responsibility. It's not my fault. However, we do live in this time right now. And that means that we need change. That's the truth. Like the one thing that climate change is telling us is that how we built the world isn't working. And if we want to have a chance of a beautiful world in the future, we have to change our ways. And so that means that since I'm alive today, I have a beautiful opportunity here. It may not be my responsibility to fix the world, but I have an opportunity to participate 
and whatever we can do to co-create something better. And I think once you start to move from responsibility to opportunity, you give yourself a chance to be excited and you get to be inspired and you get to take empowered action. Um, and I think that is the only way that we can continue to show up. It's the only way that's actually sustainable. And when you think about it, it's not about figuring out the one solution that will save us all. Because if we are to do this, we have to co-create a completely different world. We have to reimagine how we live our lives, how we get around, what mobility looks like. All these things have to be reimagined, which means we need curiosity. We need excitement. We need creativity. And those sorts of qualities can only come from an open mindset. And the one thing when you're angry and in despair and afraid and frustrated, you create a tunnel vision where your brain can literally only focus on what's right in front of you right now. And it doesn't allow you to think outside the box. So it's very hard to be excited or creative when that is what you're constantly surrounded by. So for me, that's the most obvious reasons why we need to shift the narrative on climate change. Um, and then if you want me to, Taylor, I'm happy to share a little bit of the signs of optimism as well. But you let me know if you want to go there. Of course, I would love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's where I get nerdy because I think this is so fascinating. I am someone who thinks the human brain is amazing. Like we are truly extraordinary species. Um, and when you want to understand optimism, you have to look to neuroscience and psychology. And the reason we can be optimistic, which is a pretty rare thing. Most species can't do this. Um, there are some signs now that whales can also think about the future, but I think in other, like other than that, like we're pretty alone in that regard. And the reason we can be optimistic starts with the fact that we can think about the future. So thanks to our frontal cortex, which is the like the frontal part of our brain right behind our forehead, it's the most recently developed part of our brains, uh, so the newest part of our brains, and it enables us to think about something that hasn't happened yet. So think about this. You can think about what do you want to eat for dinner tonight? Um, what are you going to wear to the party this weekend? What are you going to go to vacation next? Like you can think about the future, um, anything from small things like dinner to your career in 10 years from now. But not only can you think about and imagine something that hasn't happened yet, you can also have an expectation on that future, which means you can be optimistic about what's going to come. And here's what's something that's so um, interesting is that Believe it or not, but 84% of us are actually optimistically biased, which means that we think the future is going to be better than it actually turns out to be. So if you're going to cook tonight for your best friend, you're going to be like, my marinara sauce is going to be the most fantastic sauce. Like I'm going to make this fantastic dinner and it might turn out okay. Like it's not, it's edible. It's great, but it's not as amazing as you maybe thought of it when you were sitting at your desk at work. Um, maybe you think to yourself, I'm going to wear this fabulous dress on Friday and the guy I have a crush on is going to be there. He's going to notice me. We're going to fall in love and then we're going to get married and have babies. You know, you can get yourself spinning off in that um, in that direction. Um, and you might look fabulous, but maybe he's not there. Or he has eyes for someone else. And so it doesn't turn out the way you wanted it to. Um, and most times we're actually optimistically biased, which means that the outcome isn't as good as we thought it would be. And at first thought, you might think, well, that's silly. Why would we continue to fool ourselves this way? But then if you have a second thought about it, why is it our, that our brains are wired this way? Why are we actually tending to be optimistic about the future? And it means because we need that optimism to take action. If you don't think your cooking is going to be good, why would you even bother to try you can just order in or get something like a pizza or something instead. And if you don't think that you have a chance of the guy you have a crush on, why even go to the party in the first place? And so just the fact that we have 
um, an optimistic view on what could happen means that we find the courage and the motivation right now to take the action steps needed to potentially get us to that place, which means that if we want any sort of change or any sort of accomplishments in our lives, we need optimism. It's literally what our brain needs as fuel to do things. And when you think about climate change, it's not about avoiding worse disasters. Of course it is too, but really what we need to do is figure out better ways, a whole different kind of way of living. And the only way to find the courage to act on these bold changes is to be optimistic that, well, if we do, this might actually work out. So I think when we think about it that way, the most urgent thing we have to do right now is to grow our optimism and to figure out a way, how can we continue to do so on a daily basis? Well, that was amazing. I really like that statistic of, 84% of us are optimistically biased and then learning why we do that because I know I do that as soon as you started talking about that I was like wait I do that I'm like I'm one of those do that (laughs) yeah right like I feel like this even the small examples you brought up of like oh if I want to cook food like if I think about it like I don't want to cook the days I think about it like that like oh it's going to be bad I don't cook right so I really think wow, that's crazy to me. (laughs) That's so true. But yeah, I think when we think about things from a lens of despair, we don't want to act because what what are we fighting for if we think everything's going to not work out anyways? But when we come into it thinking optimistically, like we can do this, not only can, do we think about the future that we can have, but we want to create that future by creating different opportunities for us to get there. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. You're welcome. And I'll share one other crazy um, statistic for you. Yes. Studies have shown that optimistic people are 40%, 40, 40%, more likely to get a promotion in the next year than their pessimistic counterparts. So just by being optimistic, you have a much bigger chance of getting a promotion. And it's, again, not about wishful thinking or even the law of attraction. It's just the fact that since you are optimistic, you, you're going to take chances. You're going to act on things that could bring you closer to that promotion. If you don't think it's it's in it for you, why would you even try, right? And I think that really speaks to the fact that, like, if we want to succeed here, we got to be optimistic. We need that mindset. And that mindset not only gives us um, courage to take action, but it expands our minds. And we become more creative and we become more visionary. Um, and then we find the courage to act on that creative, crazy idea. And I think that's what we need right now. We need crazy and we need courage because that is the only way that can get us into this next stage of our human existence as fast as possible. Yes. And I, I also think like the doomist part when I'm getting down on myself and I'm like hard on myself and angry and upset, I actually mentally don't feel like I want to do anything. So like after mm-hmm. Climate Week, New York City, I was so excited when I was there before I was there I was so excited to go and then afterwards I literally didn't do anything I came home and I told my friends I told my family I'm like just don't talk to me for like two days because I need I need time to just like digest everything that's happened Mm. and those parts like those times I'm not mentally okay like I'm not mentally there I'm like oh I need sleep I just don't want to do anything I don't want to go fight for climate change. I don't want to go to protest. I don't want to show up. Right. So I think when we come into it with these doomist parts and these doomist mindset, we don't want to create the change because we are 
hard on ourselves and not just on everybody else, but we're hard on ourselves as well. Yeah. And thank you for, for taking that time. Honestly, I think that's something we have to get better at. It's like carving out the time to say, right now, I need to just be with myself and my own thoughts because there's something growing here and I want to, you know, nurture that and capture that. How often do we do that to ourselves? How often do we say, this is me time. There's something here and I want to harness it because that is when the thoughts emerge and that's when the courage comes through. And that's when you say to yourself, wait a second, what if we did this instead? Um, I just, I wanted to plug that because I think it's something we have to do so much more of. And as climate activists, we feel this urgency to do more and more and more and continue to spread our message and be louder and, you know, all these things. Um, and I think right now, since it is so urgent that we not just act, but that we do the right things and not rush into another disaster, we have to really nurture those moments, especially when our bodies are telling us, I need a break right now. So I just want to say thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm not always that level, <laughs> but, <laughs> but definitely for that one, I was um, because I think it was just like a hard week with a lot of greenwashing. So I was like, I need that break. But I do recognize that that is such an important break to take and resting our brains, resting our bodies and being able to come into it stronger than we did. Because um, when we do rest, you know, it's like when you sleep, when you sleep and you wake up and you feel better than when you went to sleep because you were tired and you want to do more and create a better world for everybody and creating that uh, equitable world for everybody. Absolutely. So my next question for you is when you are going through these periods of having like doomism, because I know we all we all go through it. We all say, okay, well, this we get a, you know, the UN puts a paper out and we're now back to, oh, this is draining. This is like the draining thoughts. How do you deal with those parts of climate change when you want to get back to that optimistic mindset? Yeah, thank you. Um, and there's a huge piece in, in my book about this. How do we deal with negative climate news and what does it mean to be an optimist? And I just want to share quickly when I first started out being a climate optimist, I thought the the key to being one was to ignore all that, to just shut out all the negative news and, and not to pay attention to the bad. And if I can only sort of, you know, hold on to these little nuggets of optimism out there, because every now and then there is a good article, right? Um, I thought that was the way to stay an optimist. And it turned out that was definitely the wrong way, <laughs> because the interesting thing is that your body is still paying attention. And deep inside, you know that not everything is great. And so when you're trying to avoid or um, like close off that part of yourself, you get very unstable and um, and th that awareness continues to build up inside you until one day it breaks and you have like, <laughs> I mean, I've had tantrums in the car, I've been crying in the shower and I've had like moments of deep despair as a climate optimist for that reason. And so what I learned is that the only way to really be and remain an optimist is to find the balance between error, awareness and optimism. So how what does it mean for you to stay grounded in knowing that this is the reality? You know, the reason I am even caring about this in the first place is because it isn't great. We are facing a climate emergency. Like that's the, like the literal the reason I'm here um, and why I'm caring about this. And I think use that as not not a not a pool to get overwhelmed, but a pool to get empowered. And there are ways to work with awareness um, in a way that is empowering. And even anger, anger is a really powerful tool um, to use if you can do it for the better. So when I do come across those articles, I let myself have that moment. And I think it's also important to give yourself 
a chance sometimes to just kind of lose it a little bit, you know, like we can't be on top and optimistic and happy all the time. Like there are days where you don't feel that way. I mean, you feel like maybe we don't have a chance and I allow myself to have those days, but I try not to make them too many or too, too long. Um, and I think also it's important to find your balance. We all have a different uh, threshold to how much we can take on and we can grow that threshold and we can increase it and we can become more resilient and in, in being in the place of awareness and also keep your optimism high. <laughs> Someone I love to point out is um, uh, Cristiana Fieres. You know, she's the known as a stubborn climate optimist. She, she works for the UN and has an amazing podcast. And um, she is someone who's like in the midst of these rooms. She's like so in the middle of all these conversations. She's, she, if of anyone knows exactly what we're facing, but she continues to be an optimist because she finds ways to why we should be one. And I think that is what it comes down to. It's like, you're not relying on the outside world to always tell you why you need to be optimistic or why you should be optimistic. Because like we know, most days there will be more negative news than positive news because that's also how the media likes to frame things. Um, but that is not why you're relying. That's why you're not relying on outside sources to be an optimist. You're actually becoming an optimist by showing up for the change yourself. And so that's why I think it's so important that we recognize that it's it's our own participation that enables us to stay optimistic because we are participating in the shift and in the change. And if you do so, you also have a different kind of awareness a different attitude where you will pay more attention to the good things too. If you're just sitting at home on the sidelines reading negative news, that is the only thing you're going to be seeing is negative news, it's climate disaster, climate doom. If instead you say, okay, what can I do? How can I join something in my local community? How can I learn about companies that want to support? And you start taking action, you will start to see that there's so much going on. There's so much climate optimism out there. And the more you do, the more you're going to feel like, okay, we can do this. I can change, then other people can change. And I think it's by embodying the optimism that you want to be, that is how you continue to, to not only fuel your own optimism, but also the optimism in the world around you. And it's a, an energy that ripple effects. It's very uh, potent and other people will want to be an optimist too. Trust me, I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, so I think just like, Allowing yourself to, in whatever way you can, take on the negative news, but you don't have to read every article or watch every video or participate in every thread on social media. Like, it's okay. There's enough doom and gloom out there to go around. You don't have to fuel it all. Um, and then I would say what I've done, I put a Google alert in place for climate optimism. And so a few times a week, I get like a little email from Google saying, Here's some climate optimists right now to pay attention to. Turns out there's a lot of good stuff happening. Um, and more so now than it used to be, a lot of climate optimistic news, actually. So I think, yeah, create a system for yourself where you allow yourself to find the good news and um, and also allow yourself to consume the negative news in a way that's sustainable for you, in a way that's grounding and, and balanced, um, and then just continue to take whatever action you can take because it's the most optimistic and empowering way there is. Yeah. And I think for the seeing the negative news part, I kind of surrounded myself with only following people that brought up negative news all the time. So I found myself constantly, like I heard this word recently, the doom scrolling. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I was just doom scrolling and it doesn't help anyone. So for anyone out there who's doom scrolling at night by themselves and you're just getting into this mindset of nothing's going to, like nothing matters, nothing's working. 
don't do that. Surround yourself with positive news. Like, I really appreciate you bringing that up. Um, and I know, like, for me, kind of getting into this journey of being more optimistic and hopeful was originally I just started by faking it and like by faking this like for me I needed to fake it like I needed to fake it internally to be able to bring that vibe out to other people and then when I started faking it and then I was reading this positive news I'm like wait maybe I don't have to fake it anymore maybe there actually is a lot of things to be optimistic and positive about and then I did start following accounts and signing up for newsletters that gave me positive news and I was like wait there's actually so many people who care. And yeah. I think it always, like for me, it goes back to community and finding mm -hmm. people who also spread, you know, they spread the, the negative news. The, okay, the UN just put out a paper, but they also share the positive sides of how we can get to that goal, you know, and how if we get communities and we are activists and do all this stuff that we've been told to do and we do it, and we show up together, we can actually get to the future we want. Um, yeah, so and I think, you know, we have to recognize the world that we've created. It's a world where you get awarded for sharing, as you said, the doom scrolling and the negative stuff. But like, who wants to doom scroll for an hour and then go to bed? Like, that's not doesn't really lay up for a good sleep, right? <laughs> um, and if you don't sleep well, you're not going to wake up and feel inspired to take action either. So I think a few things. There are no filters on what we can ask, access in terms of information. Like social media has just opened up a whole, you know, Pandora's box in that regard of like, there's so much negativity out there. Um, and then we never focus on how to deal with that emotionally. So what I mean is like, you know, it's we're being rewarded by society and by our peers to, to being informed, to knowing what's going on. But then we never learn how to, process that information internally and so what happens is if we don't know like our internal systems will crash at some point and that's when we shut down and we don't engage and it just becomes too overwhelming and that's when we tap into denial right it's like i can't handle this anymore your body's going to be like i can't take this anymore because this is way too much information that we haven't processed yet and like we're full like overload here um and i think on that too i want to say that denial is many times looked upon as something bad but we need denial a little bit. It's actually like essential for us to say, to stay sane and grounded. And um, there are days when you probably feel like, you know what, today I have a big test in school or my mother is sick or there's something else going on and I cannot handle climate doomism right now. Then just turn it off. It's okay to apply some healthy denial sometimes and just fake it till you make it. Ignore climate change doesn't exist because if you are going to run yourself into the ground because of staying aware, it is not making you an ally to be counted with. So um, I think we have to recognize that at the end of the day, we're just human beings. We are emotional beings. Like we are not robots. We are not like a bot that continue to, to just like add on information and, and, and news and all these things. And like, like take care of yourself. Understand that you are a human being and we need you. So when there are days or weeks when you're like, I honestly can't care right now, then maybe just even delete the social media platform for that week. Tap out, be with your family, find your community, like you said. Um, I think we have to really start to understand that like how we are expected to show up in the world is not many times sustainable and it's not making us stronger and it's not allowing us to be the force that we should be to create the world of tomorrow. So yeah, sorry, I'm rambling off. <laughs> this is very, I'm very passionate about this. And it's something that 
it took me years to learn myself and I'm in such a different place now when I've understood this no don't apologize I love it I love the room thing I love all the information you're sharing because you know I'm taking notes right now (laughs) I I need that as well because a lot of times people ask me and I know you were bringing this up before um so a lot of people ask me like oh how do you stay hopeful like why are you so hopeful all the time and you know my friends constantly coming to me for their climate news like oh Taylor will know about that and she has that information and it's like oh my gosh I might have that information but sometimes don't, and they're not doing it intentionally. Like, obviously, they always have good intent. They just want to learn as well. But being able to say, like, listen, I know that right now, but I need to be, I need to have more positivity. And I can't think about that right now. I need to, mm. you know, disengage from that news and start, like, I don't know if they're, I know doom scrolling is a word, but whatever the opposite of doom scrolling is positive scrolling, I guess. Um, I need to get into that positive mindset and start looking at that positive news, because if not, I'm not going to be able to help anyone else because I'm going to be spiraling myself. So I can't help others if I'm not taking care of myself and my well-being. So I really appreciate you bringing that up and being able to, you know, sometimes delete social media and go hang out with your family and friends and just disengage from that news and that negativity. Yeah. And then sometimes I've I've been away from the doom for too long and I actually need to like fuel myself a little bit again. Like maybe I'm just like, you know what? I know what climate change is going. Like I know climate change is real. I don't have to read every article because I don't think it serves me. I don't know exactly. I need to know exactly how much ice is melting or whatever. Like sometimes being aware of the big news is helpful, um, but I don't have to know every single fact. I know that I'm here and my my commitment is to work for the, for the planet. Um, but then there are days when I'm like... <laughs> I'm starting to like ease in a little bit too much into my life and I'm a little bit too comfortable. And all it takes is like watching one short video or like a documentary. And I'm like, nope, we need change. And I start, I feel like I'm fueled again, right? Like, but I feel empowered. And that's the big difference because since I'm acting from such a place of, of you know, space and healing and grounded, um, groundedness, I don't know if that's a word, but since I feel so grounded already, I can invite that sort of like, you know, urgency and, and doomism because it does fuel me to want to take further action. So that's what I mean with balance. You know, like I think we have to recognize too that sometimes you need that first to spark just a commitment to want to do something. Um, so it's needed, like the climate news are needed, but we have to learn our own threshold and find our own balance because like you said, you, we got to keep showing up for this and we can't do so if we're always feeling overwhelmed um, and like stooped in despair. Yes, perfect. I I love that. And I think like a quote that I love from your website was the climate optimism is not about taking a step back and hoping for the best to happen. It's about diving into awareness and choosing a path of resilience, action and hope. I love that quote. I think that's you, you wrapped it up and you summed it up perfect. It's that, you know, you you need sometimes you need to know that there is a problem that the climate change the climate change is a problem and it's a crisis that we're going through as collectively as humans and being able to say okay but what are we going to do about it and coming into it with an optimistic mindset so i really yeah. like that quote thank you for pointing it out <laughs> sometimes the words come to me and i feel like no oh, that's smart <laughs> yeah it was that's i love it so for anyone listening definitely go check out the website um and look for those quotes and obviously buy your book and I definitely want to talk about your book so what's the biggest takeaway from your latest book the climate optimist handbook and where can people purchase it 
Thank you. Yeah. So I'm so excited about this book, actually. I've been writing it for almost 10 years and finally coming together. And it's very much what we just talked about. It's a self-help book on climate change. It is for anyone who feels like, oh, well, I just learned about climate change. What am I supposed to do? Or is it my fault? What should I be doing? People feel overwhelmed. Um, it will help you become aware in a different way. Um, it would help you shift the narrative on not just climate change, but the everyday stories we tell ourselves. And it will help you ground and and act from that place of resilience and awareness that you just mentioned. Um, and then how to grow your own optimism. What does it look like to show up as a change in your life, in your community? How can you become that powerful leader that other people look to and feel inspired by? And what does it actually mean to live in the world today? And I think that is something that we have to start to recognize because we're not going to figure out climate change tomorrow or even next year or in this next decade. For most of us, it's going to be our entire lifetime. So this is a journey that we're on and it's it's about time we get excited about that journey. So the biggest takeaway of the book is for people to read it and feel like, wow, what a gift to be alive today. I get to be part of this. I get to be part of making history. I get to look back and to my grandchildren in the future and like tell them about all the amazing work that we went through to create something better. Um, and I think that is really what I want people to feel, that it's not, we're not doomed for being alive today. In fact, it is an extraordinary gift to be here. And if we get to wake up with that mindset every morning to say, okay, another day that I have the opportunity to create change, what can I do? How can I connect with more people? How can I inspire more people? How can I inspire myself? And that is really what I want people to take away. And I hope that people get to read it and feel empowered because it's ultimately my biggest goal in life, just for people to feel like we matter. These times matter so much, probably more than we can even, you know, imagine. And, um, and it's time for change. So let's embrace that. Yeah, I cannot wait to purchase your book. So where where can people buy it? Where could I buy it if I want? Yeah. Um, so right now it does exist on Amazon um, worldwide, either in Kindle or in paperback. It will exist in more places. <laughs> we talked about before we jumped on the interview that I'm having some technical issues. So it's being a little bit delayed in terms of other platforms, but I'm hoping the book will be available in many more places soon, but you can definitely find it on Amazon. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to purchase it. So I will also yeah. link it if that's possible. So if I can just look it up on Amazon and link it. Um, I'll send you a link, Taylor. <laughs> yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> I'll link it in the description for anyone who wants to buy it because I can't wait to buy it. <laughs> I'm very excited because I need that optimism. I need everything you just talked about. And I, I do. I really do. Because sometimes even as the hopeful environmentalist, I am not always hopeful, you know, and I think it's okay to also, I, I think you talk about being okay with sometimes saying like, okay, we need to look at it from a lens of going back and reading that doom information mm -hmm. to inspire us. So sometimes I do that too much. <laughs> so I need to read this optimistic <laughs> book because I need listen, more optimism. Listen, the balance, the balance is tough. And and I, can I share a secret with you? Yes. <laughs> so I, I received my first box of books last week, which was one of those crazy moments, you know, when you wrote a book and suddenly you see it in your own hands. And I spent the weekend reading my own book. <laughs> I'm like, am I supposed to do this? And I will say this, I felt inspired because yes, I've written this book, I've edited it, edited this book multiple times, you know, like you go through multiple edits and I already kind of forgot what's in there. And I find myself needing this inspiration. So 
it's very much a book that I wrote for myself that I can continue to stay motivated because it is tough. It's a journey and it's work. Um, just like if you want to be healthy and stay in shape, you can't just eat, drink one smoothie and go to gym once and think you're good for life. It's not how it works. Right. Um, but once you start getting into those new habits of enjoying smoothies and salads and the good food and going to the gym to work out or going for walks or whatever you prefer to do, it becomes part of your lifestyle. And, and I want this to be part of people's lifestyles too, because it's a truly extraordinary journey to be on. And having been the doomist and the angry activist, I don't want to go back there. I love my life right now. I feel so inspired. I have a daughter on the way. I can't wait to see her grow up in this new world. And I'm pretty excited about what we can accomplish in the next few decades. So that is what I want, want to give people, that excitement and that feeling of peace. We're doing what we can. So just, just keep doing that. And it's not work. It's a journey that we all get to be on together. So yeah, I would love for you to have the book. So thank you so much, Taylor. And I do think it's needed. I will just say that. I think sometimes when I wrote the book, it wasn't even me writing it. It was just sort of channeled from somewhere else. Someone else was like, okay, this girl is like ready to receive this message. So let's let's put that in her book. And um, so, yeah, I can say that with without feeling too dumb about it. I think the book is needed. And I really do hope that people get to read it. Yeah, and I really like how you brought up like you reading your own book because I I write in my I have a little journal that I write um and like about climate news and how I'm feeling about it and I think when I look back on the positive days I'm like wow I like when I'm having a negative day and I look back on a day I wrote about something positive I'm like wow okay that girl from the other day, even though it's me, like she's a different mindset wow. now and I need to channel that energy back. I need to realize that, okay, I'm in a negative space right now, but here is how I can get back to that positive space that I was in, even if it was like hours ago or even like five minutes ago, like how do I get back to that space? So thank you for bringing that part up because I think, you know, don't be embarrassed by that. That's so awesome <laughs> that you're able to take like your own advice, like internally sometimes when we're getting into that doomist mindset yeah and I th thank you I mentioned journaling multiple times in the book it's been a game-changing tool for me throughout the years and I think it's so interesting what you said because you're like I should write this down because I'm not going to remember it I'm like yeah I will remember like I'm not going to forget about this and literally the next night you're like oh right it's so interesting how distracted we are we don't even understand our own thoughts so if I, for anyone who's listening, if you're not already journaling, write down the negative so you can dump it out, but also capture the good days and go back to those good days, like you said, and remind yourself why you want to do this, because it is so easy to lose hope and to lose, to lose track. So yeah, thank you. I think it's beautiful that you journal. Yeah, I, I recently got into journaling and like you just said to everybody, <laughs> journal when, when you can, because yes. it really has been a game changer for me being able to realize like, like, like I just said, and like you said, being able to say, okay, I was on that mindset. How do I get back to it? And it kind of breaks the cycle of negative doom scrolling. Cause sometimes I'll be like doom scrolling, doom scrolling. And then I'm like, okay, this needs to stop. How do I stop? Let's go read my old journal and let's journal something, how I'm feeling now so that I can look back in a few days and say, okay, this was a, this was not a good mindset. This was not helpful to mm -hmm. the climate crisis and pushing back and trying to get more optimistic. It's not, it wasn't positive. So how do I make it positive to be able to create change? And that's my whole, you know, my whole thing and my whole motto because to to be always negative, we're not going to be able to create that change that we want. Right. To and, and something that 
I like to say, and I think you sort of mentioned it earlier, but um, I'd like to remind myself awareness hurts and that's okay. Because I think we give, we just, we allow, we allow ourselves to accept that not everything is great. Right. And there will be days when you just read this article or you saw something on the street or you learned something on the news and you're like, shit, this hurts. <laughs> like, and I think the more empathic we are and the more open we are and more in tune we are with the world around us, it's more painful because we take it up in a whole different way. Um, and so recognizing that my own vulnerability is actually a beautiful tool that I have um, and allowing myself to accept that has been also game changing. So if there are days when you're like, wow, the world right now hurts, like this is painful and you don't have to channel that into something positive all the time. Some days it's just, it is what it is. Awareness hurts and that's okay. Right. Um, and I think by just accepting that about yourself, it's when you also empower yourself to then, you know, from that place, you know, grow a new seed of, of optimism. Um, but yeah, don't ignore your, your feelings. Don't push them aside. Don't think you're weak because you feel these ways. It actually makes you stronger. Um, and I think journaling again, serves as a beautiful tool to help you recognize that. Yeah. And I, I like the awareness part that you just brought up on being, like, it's okay to be aware because being aware is what helps us to like create action and create positive change. And I think sometimes for me, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like shit, that hurts. Like <laughs> That, that news that I just read, I wish I didn't have to read that, but reading it and saying, okay, how can I bring a optimistic and hopeful and positive mindset to this and create the change we need and we want to see? Yeah. So is there anything else that you wanted to bring up before we close out? Oh God, I feel like we covered so much in this little hour. Um, you know what, Taylor? I think we kind of mentioned most of it. I um, thank you for plugging my book. It's a passion project of mine. Like I said, I've been writing it for many years. And if anyone feels called to be inspired and to activate their own journey or just to continue to activate their journey, as I said, I'm reading my own book now, <laughs> feel inspired all again. Um, so please check out the Climate Optimist Handbook. And um, if you want to learn more about me, my work, my website is theclimateoptimist.com. Um, so you should find me there. And I'm uh, just honored to be here on this show. And thank you so much for everything you're doing and for being so caring and passionate about making this world a better place. And I just want to leave a final thought for people who are tuning in. You are living through some extraordinary times right now. You are extraordinary. You have a part to play. And we all get to participate in this journey towards a better world. So let's get excited about that. Yes, I love that. Ending with that positivity that we need. <laughs> and I will also, for anyone interested, I will plug in your website and your book to get to your book um, in the description of the podcast. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you. You have a beautiful day. And that wraps up this episode of The Hopeful Environmentalist. I really hope that this episode, for anyone who is feeling that doom and gloom, to be able to sit back, take a step back, and realize that coming into things with a more optimistic mindset, we're able to accomplish so much more. We're able to build more of a community. So again, I, like I said before, I used to be the angry environmentalist podcast and now we're the hopeful environmentalist podcast. And that's because I really want people to start digging into their side of hope and optimistic side, right? I want people to be not so hard on themselves because I know I am. 
So again, thank you so much for listening and always remember to stay hopeful and create positive change.